Well, aloha and good morning. Welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Tuesday, June 16th. My name is Jaron Oda, and I lead the youth here at Bridgetown Church. So yesterday evening, my friend Gavin and I went to the Vanport City Prayer Vigil, which was led by a few African-American faith leaders in our city here in Portland. And planting my feet on that floodplain grass and gazing out at that dim horizon there, I and many other Portlanders had the opportunity to learn and lament the history and tragedy and injustice of what happened right where we were gathered. I can still remember and even feel in this moment the knot in my stomach, the stressful frown on my brow, and even the flicker of my own memories of racial exclusion that I've experienced here in Portland. As I listened to one of the leaders explaining how the ground we were standing on was once called the Negro Project. As a result of racial segregation and the discriminatory practice of redlining, much of the black community in Portland lived on the floodplain of Vanport, which in 1948 encountered a massive flood and took out the city that was considered the nation's largest housing project, and Oregon's second largest city, and it was done in less than a day displacing somewhere around 6,300 black residents. But the real tragedy behind this tragedy is the city's corrupt reasoning for placing the black community in Vanport in the first place. As you see, in the 1940s, the black community of Oregon was experiencing a rapid expansion with hopes of employment and of housing. And instead of Portland officials welcoming and strategically hosting the expansion, A 1942 headline from the Oregonian read, New Negro Migrants Worry City. Later that same year, Portland Mayor Earl Riley said, quote, Portland can only absorb a minimum number of Negroes without upsetting the city's regular life. Now let's just, right where you are, sit with that horrendous sense of unwelcome for a second. As Imarisha explained on an Oregon Live article, this story is hidden purposefully. And the ability to not know about it is a privilege. And I would add here that this story, along with many others around the country, have been hidden purposefully. And we, as the body of Christ, have to wake up to the reality happening around us. As we spend the necessary time of repentance and lament, we also have the chance to participate as a church in recognizing that African-American stories that were hidden or worse, once silenced are now being heard. I mean, they've been told this whole time. It's just that we're finally listening. Whether in the church or on social media or the raging sales of books of all genres written by black men and women, we could very well be witnessing a cultural renaissance. And I believe we are seeing society writ large saying enough is enough. We need to hear and learn and be shaped by different stories. As the rapper Meek Mill says, reporting live from the other side of America. See, I believe it's time for us to embrace a broader view of the church and the expression of the Holy Spirit through the black lives and stories that have always been kingdom centered. The problem was that they were never majority centric. Sung Chan Ra, in his book Prophetic Lament, is an avid critic for good reasons of this one-dimensional narrative that the American church has, has told for far too long, saying, quote, in the American Christian narrative, 
the stories of the dominant culture are placed front and center, while stories from the margins are often ignored. And coupled with what he said just now, he tells a story of highlighting the power of bringing untold or silent, silenced stories to light. He says this, A few years ago, I was presenting a workshop on the topic of lament. I raised the importance of telling the whole story of slavery in order to engage in the fullness of lament and how the funeral dirge of Lamentation 1 provides or offers the possibility of healing as we deal with the truth. And as part of the presentation, I narrated or narrated an account of a plantation life, in particular the, hor- the horrific account of the sexual abuse of slave women. One of my good friends happened to be in the workshop listening to me read the account. And when I began to describe the atrocities of rape on the plantation, my friend got up and stood in the back of the room. And for the following 15 minutes, the duration of my workshop, he remained standing. Even after the workshop ended and all of the participants had left the room, he remained. I approached him as he silently stood in the back of the room. And I began to mutter some sort of apology, but he stopped me in the middle of my sentence saying this. When there were five kids in the slave family, family, there was the one kid that was lighter than the rest of the kids. That's my family. That's my family's story. You told my family's story. I have not heard another tell my story in public like that before, and I needed to honor you by standing. And Ra closes the story by stating that there is a power in bringing untold stories to light. So to end, let us as disciples of Jesus consider deeply that to engage in racial reconciliation is an act of renewal. There are many voices like Latasha Morrison, Dominique Gilliard, Brian Stevenson, Jamar Tisby, and others even in our very own community who have been leading. It's time for us to listen. There are many stories to be heard. And for my black brothers and sisters, there are many stories you can share when you feel is right. And for those who aren't black or of color, it may feel like some of these stories come from the other side of America. And yet I believe we will come to find that these stories find themselves in the center of the kingdom of God. That said, my encouragement today is just to take some time to visit bridgetown.church slash racial justice and seek out the resources and stories listed by those on our team. And before we go, let's take a few moments and invite the Spirit of God to open our ears and our hearts to hear the voices that need to be heard. So wherever you're at, go ahead and get into some posture of receiving. Generally, that means just having your hands open to receive before you. And would you breathe in through your nose and gently release out of your mouth. And to begin focusing on that rhythm of breathing in and out as I pray over us. Spirit of the living God, even now we ask that you continue to open our hearts and our ears. Let us hear the voices who are telling their stories. 
would you, Holy Spirit, by the wisdom and pain and joy of these diverse voices, deepen our hearts to Paul's command to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and stand united as the people of God. And Holy Spirit, let us find you in their stories. In your name, Jesus. Amen.